You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another edition of Media Matters for Anfield Index. And ladies and gents, it's another in our instalment of Stat Me Up. So let's hit with the headlines, people, that Liverpool got three points last night in their game at Sheffield United. They are second in the league. They are two points behind leaders Arsenal. They have 34 in total. But even more importantly than that, it's not January, there's no Luis Diaz, there's no Cody Gakpo, but Anfield Index has a new signing. So I've got him today, ladies and gents, the one and only Ben Boxack. Ben, how are we? Yeah, it's, it's great to be on and it's great to be involved. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, I'm going to start asking you questions. I'm going to put you on the spot and we're going to talk, ladies and gents, the normal. We'll talk last night, we'll talk the big stats. We've got to then talk about injuries. We cannot escape that at all. That's going to be a talk. And probably, as people would guess, that is naturally going to turn towards January in a certain window that is just round the corner and the implications on that. And we'll talk implications in regards to what we believe should happen. And as we know, that might not be what Jurgen Klopp is currently thinking, but we haven't got too long to find that out. However... Let's rewind to last night. We won, Ben. 2-0 away, Sheffield United. It was another visit to the Dross, which was interesting on the back of 
the draw against Luton. This was a, a test here in one way with the injuries just starting to pile up. But 2-0, clean sheet. Looking at the positives, Van Dijk, Sabozlai, two good goals. It wasn't pretty. It, and that's my me saying that. That was my honest thought. So that's my gut takeaway from it, Ben. It wasn't pretty. But bear in mind the backdrop, the new manager bounce for Sheffield United. What were your honest thoughts on the performance last night? I was my honest thoughts. So we'll take that. You know, it's a good result. Um, I was pretty happy with the overall performance. Liverpool weren't spectacular, but they got the job done. I never thought for a moment that Sheffield United were going to get back into the game, even with one nil up. Yeah, that was a maybe a potential contentious penalty decision, but I think it would have been very soft to give that to Sheffield. Yeah. Um, and overall, I thought Liverpool were just okay. Nothing phenomenal, but they got the job done. And, you know, considering this was a midweek Premier League game away from home, like you mentioned, the manager bounce, that's all you can ask for. You know, you're not going to win four or five nil every single game. And sometimes you, you just need to get these results, especially when you're competing for the title. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think maybe and it's not being accusatory, but I think people are just forgetting if you look at that schedule, Ben, recently. We played Thursday against Lask. We then had the Sunday against Fulham. Now, we know that was going to take something out the tank because we went to the well again, didn't we, in that one with a lot of the same players. And then it's Wednesday night. So the last three games have been Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday. I.e., these boys have turned around three times in six days. So when people were saying, you know, they're a bit leggy, it's not fast-flowing, bear in mind what you said, like the new manager away, who it is, how we struggle. I'm kind of maybe surprised a little bit that people expected any different. And I'm sure you saw as well at the same time. Look at the other results. Arsenal scraped by Luton. Let's be honest about that. It's a last-minute winner, isn't it, there in that regard? Manchester City, we saw that. Uh, as well at the same time and, and what's happening there, Aston Villa, because it has to be a terrible place to go for everyone. But yeah, against that backdrop, three points, job done. Now, this will be an interesting one. There was there was mixed performances, I would say, from different people. Who would you give man of the match to? But also, who would you say, I thought they had a good night for us at the same time? I think it's got to be Trent. Um just because I was I was looking through the stats uh, over the last year and he created eight chances in that game. Wow. Um, and I don't think he's ever done that in a Premier League game before. Jeez. Um, he's created seven a few times. Uh, in 2019, he created seven against Tottenham, which was just one less than Tottenham created in that entire game. <laughs> Uh, but eight chances, if I am correct, I, I was looking over the stats. I don't think he's ever done that before. Jeez. So, you know, um, he had a pretty dominant game. I thought he was he was really good. Uh, obviously, put in a great corner, uh, showed off maybe a bit too much <laughs> in in the lead up to that corner, as as yeah. went viral on social me- media. But overall, I think. Uh, Andrew Beasley obviously did a stat about mm. how good Liverpool has been since he's been transitioned into the midfield. Yeah. And Liverpool are leading the Premier League table since that has happened. And I think um, it was evident um, yesterday as well. He was, he was really, really good. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've we've talked about it before as well. The hybrid, the box formation, the Trent formation, whatever people want to label it as, and people have actually had their concerns, their demands on Canate, the right side, all all those types of things. But exactly like you said, as Andrew Beasley tweeted in those, I think it was twenty seven or twenty eight games. Never pull the top in that period. That you know, that's got to come into consideration. And like you said, and you might be semi to low impressed with this because I know I was doing start stat me up with you, Ben. So I did a bit of research as well. Trent now has many Premier League assists as Eric Cantona as well, hasn't he? And that's wow. one was apparently an enigmatic Frenchman with the collar popped up, and one is the right back, as a commentator called him the other day. So yeah, I agree with that. I thought Trent probably Trent Virgil were Virgil on man of the match. I thought the leaders really stepped up last night as well. One one player I did want to talk about, because I know stats-wise you posted quite a lot about him, but it was, it was interesting. I, I didn't know this. I have to show my ignorance on this. Endo, that he is, hasn't played that much. We can't pretend he's been a regular, but when he has played, his stats have been pretty good, actually, overall on the whole. And, and I thought last night, for me personally... There's not a huge sample pool, but his best game for Liverpool overall for me by by some distance. How did you think he honestly did last night? Was it good, good in the context, or how would you assess him overall? I, I quite liked his performance. I don't think he was spectacular, but yeah. not, Liverpool weren't spectacular in general. I think he, he did what he had to do. Uh, won nine duels out of 14, which is quite nice. good. Um, he won quite a few aerial duels as well, if I, I remember correctly, which, you know, considering his height, I think he's only around five foot nine, five foot ten. So, yeah, not, not the tallest player on the pitch, but he still won a fair amount of aerial duels, which I, which I quite like. I think that's something he worked on a lot in the Bundesliga, and obviously, we've seen him do score a heading, headed goal yeah. for, for Liverpool. So he's got a bit of a threat when it comes to, to to that kind of area of his game. And I think what impressed me the most though was just his ability on the ball. Uh, people perhaps, you know, because he was called the jewel king in the Bundesliga, expected him to thrive in the defensive situation. Yeah, which he did last around. Yeah. But um, I, I think in the way he brings out the ball, his... His, his sort of passes, he's, re- he's really composed and uh, I think he, he does a good job of sort of recycling possession and uh, um, instigating attacks and, and, and moves forward. So, yeah, overall, I think that was definitely probably his best performance. Maybe he's had a better performance perhaps in the Europa League or the League Yeah, Cup, true. Just, just when you measure up the competition and... Uh, the opponents, I think, would probably have to give this one as his best performance overall. Yeah, in in that backdrop as well, and like you said, for not the tallest player, does seem to win. So he's such a good header of the ball as well. Like you said, the goal, the strength, and and that's in both both ends in both boxes as we've seen recently as well. So yeah, it's interesting how he's strong, but. We saw Ryan Gravenberg beaten by John Fleck a few times in the air, and there must be a good foot almost discrepancy between those. Well, that's probably a, a different discussion. But with um, with McAllister's injury, we're not fully sure how that is. Wouldn't be the biggest surprise now if Endo does retain that shirt for Palace, especially because they're fresh legs as well. Now, it wouldn't be a stat me up without coming back to this man, as we always do and probably always will, just because of the nature of 
who he is and what he does, Darwin Nunes. I mean, for the short cameo that he was on the field last night, Ben, you it had everything. And I'm not exaggerating that, didn't it? There was a memes galore for, for Darwin. I mean, you, you've watched it. You saw it last night. Literally, I think that is a fair description. It had everything. How did you see that performance in the context of his season so far? I thought it was just pretty much typical Darwin Nunez. You know, that's that's what we've seen all season. Uh, you know, people will talk about the tackle, which I thought was a great challenge. And obviously, even with the the modern, the new rules, it was a fair challenge as VAR correctly ruled mm. as well. Um, obviously, after that great ball into the box, uh, yeah, I, I I think that's what you want to see from Darwin. And I think yeah. that's what... You know, you don't see from other forwards necessarily. You may be getting more goals or, or assists, but when it comes to Liverpool, it's so important for the striker to, to be winning challenges and, you know, defending from the front. And, and that's what we saw from Darwin and it led to a goal. And I think that's why I, I, I still really believe in him. And I think he'll be um, a, a Liverpool cult hero for sure. And I think, um, you know, just got to be patient with him sometimes. Uh, when I spoke to his assistant manager, who works with him at Almeria, uh, he, he, David Badia, he always emphasised how important it was for Darwin to just have confidence. And I mm. think we've seen that now at Liverpool as well. You just you bring the best out of him when he's fully confident. And he's had a few games now where he didn't get an assist and get a goal, so he must have been frustrated with himself. So. Now yeah. to get that assist, I'm sure he'll be really happy with that and that will give him a boost. And um, yeah, I, overall, though, I, I mean, I don't even think he's doing that bad at stats-wise. Um, if you look at the numbers, if you distill it down, he's still averaging a goal or assist for Liverpool every 78 minutes, which Indeed. is really good. I mean, for a striker, well, what more can you ask? Um, so I'm not... I know some people have been a little bit concerned about him. I've seen loads of posts on social media, how many chances he's missed. Uh, but that's part and parcel of a game for of the game for a forward, you know. Erling Haaland also misses a lot of chances, but maybe Erling Haaland doesn't necessarily contribute with as many challenges or as, as many chances created as Darwin Nunez. Um so you know there's there's upsides to his game and I think Overall, if he if he gets a bit more confidence, if he starts going on a, on a good run, uh, I still expect him to have a really good season with Liverpool. Yeah, I think you're you're right. It's almost a a fascinating. You can be fascinated, I think, on the the negative elements of his game. I get why people. I'm not disagreeing with what people have said about should he have buried that one on one. Probably should. You know, he, he lifts it. You know, he take the keeper. But everyone seems fixated on that. What people don't seem fixated on, again, it's like you say, that it's a good, for me, personally, people see it different. I think it's a great tackle. It was also quite a composed ball, wasn't it? The way he sort of slides mm. through it for Zabozlai and picked him out that way because it wouldn't surprise me just rashly tried to whack it across, but it was composed for Darwin. Like you said, confidence as well. I think we've seen in the last few games, confidence has just dipped a little bit and maybe it's not quite been there. You forget how it does seem to be in an arm round the shoulder type of player. He does seem to visibly need that to, you know, really feel lifted and part of it, so to speak. 
And then the other thing, which, again, if the microscope's on Darwin so much, and I love our players, don't get me wrong, but I didn't see much talk about Cody Gappo's lack of involvement overall last night. I'd not seen anything that's about Luis Diaz hasn't really been at it, for want of a better phrase, the last few games, and he's played considerable minutes. That's it's not that you know the forwards aren't going through the best of times, maybe which we'll talk about. But yeah, the heat seems to be very much on Darwin. But hey, another assist, three points, and we move on. Now you've given us a bit, you've given us a taster from last night. Any other big sort of stats that you called out or stood out to you from players, team wise, anything like that at all? Yeah, I mean, I've got to give a shout out to Ibrahim Konate. I know, again, fans were of mixed opinions about yeah. his performance last night. But in all fairness, he won 20 duels, which hasn't Jeez. been done in a Premier League game for the last three years. Um, and on top of that, he won 14 aerial duels, uh, which again, hasn't been done in the Premier League since the 2015-16 season. So statistically, he was pretty good. And on top of that as well, he completed the most passes in the game too. So he got 95 passes. Um, So you got to say that's even for for someone who divided opinions last night, he statistically, he put in a pretty solid performance. Yeah, it's great. Again, Ibu, the focus tends to be and there was that one where he just kind of miscontrolled it and it rolled to, I think it was Archer for Sheffield United, wasn't it? And he brought him down the yellow card. Yeah, it's a mistake. All you know, players make mistakes, that happens. But there just seems such a, like you said, fixation, fascination on this. And then, I mean, VAR said it wasn't a penalty, for God's sake. I know people talk about the the show, the, you know, it's an aggressive defender. That's what we want him to be. But it's weird the way people, you know, really honed in on that for almost the way they rated him for last night. But like you said, I mean, Trent does the creates the most chances. Ibu sets a record in terms of you know clearances. He, look at how he did with the aerial. It's it's interesting the way those little things just deviate opinion, isn't it? Or what you want to hone in on, what you want yeah. to focus in on. I think as well, what I wanted to highlight is the kind the amount of like work Konate actually has to do in this yeah. system. Crazy. I mean, it's it's not might not necessarily be from from a team point of view. The fact that he had to win 20 duels might not necessarily be a positive thing, but there is a lot being asked of him. So the fact that, you know, he's he's living up to expectations. I think he only lost about four duels or or something like that. It was very minimal compared to the amount of duels he has. So the fact that he's he's being able to do that is, is, is a positive on a personal level, on a team level. If you're looking at the overall play, it is a bit of a concern. But uh, Mm. so far, Liverpool got away with that last night. That wasn't Sheffield United didn't really trouble them at all. Yeah, indeed. I mean, he he plays his part in the the clean sheet. There's no two ways about it. I mean, probably that I I agree with the positive. Flip it round to the other end, Ben. It's it's interesting because we're scoring goals at the moment as the you know as we're seeing. But it's not the forwards, really, isn't it? They seem to be misfiring somewhat. And, I, and I'm putting them all, you know, in that bracket. I know Jota's injured at the moment. But they weren't great against City. Fulham, we needed four goals, but from other areas of the team. And last night, yes, Nunes gets the assist coming on. But again, the forward line kind of t- 
toiled a bit, so to speak, as well. I mean, what are you putting that down to at the moment? Is it because it, it can sometimes just be as simple as a sticky patch in the season? You can't expect them to score five goals every time. There is a little element of we do, don't we? We you know we used to score in three, so maybe we put those pressures on them. But is it like a change in formation, stats, anything that you've seen that you put it down to at all at the moment? I don't think it's, it's hard to pin down because Liverpool are still creating chances in the last few games. You know, there's been an average of 15 to, to 20 chances created or 20 plus chances. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not for a lack of chances. Those players are getting chances and opportunities. Uh, Salah is creating a lot. Um, yeah. Maybe he's, he's not being on the end of chances as much. Um, I think though, part of it has to be down to, Diego Jota's absence because he was in a really good run of form for Liverpool before he got that injury and um, his good run of form maybe sort of overshadowed Luis Diaz's lack of output and Hakpo's lack of output as well although in all fairness to Hakpo for club and country in his last I think 10-11 starts he's got about nine goal contributions. Wow. The bulk of those, I think about half of those, obviously have come for the Netherlands. So it's only about half for Liverpool, but um, he's not doing bad uh, in, in yeah. terms of his output. Um, just not necessarily all of it has happened in a Liverpool shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think for me that the bigger concern of the two of them is, is, is Diaz. Uh, when he first signed for Liverpool, there was always that sort of concern of his sort of XG numbers. I remember at Porto, he was overperforming his XG by a lot. Yeah. And obviously at the time, he was going on a bit of a purple patch and that made things a little bit of a concern from a stats point of view where he'd be able to carry that on at Liverpool. And um, I think we have to be realistic and say, he hasn't. He's kind of posted the numbers that he posted before that really good season yeah. at and before that really good Copa America campaign. And um, I think he, he's someone who Liverpool kind of still have to figure out how to get the best out of him um, from an offensive point of view. And, you know, as well, we mentioned it earlier with Diaz, the upside to his game was, okay, he wasn't getting as many goals and assists as you would expect from from a left winger, especially in comparison to Sadio Mane, who he came to replace. Mm. But he had so much energy on the left wing. He he was one of the few players in this Liverpool team who actually could win one versus one duels and situations and, and beat yeah. man. Um Obviously, that energy pressing from the front, coming back to defend as well, all of that was really great. So he kind of overlooked his output but now I don't even see his overall play being as good. I, I'm not seeing that energy. I'm not seeing him beating his men um, in, in those situations, his opponents. And, and I think that's the bigger concern of the two rather than his output. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, that obviously, I've been speculation, but it's it's not. it wasn't just one injury that he had, didn't he? Because he had the, the long-term mm-hmm. injury, which he got against Arsenal last season. And then he came back and re-aggravated, had to have surgery again, didn't he? That type of thing. So I think it's similar. There's that just that niggling concern. Will he almost get back to that player we saw before? And like you say, actually, it's interesting when you look, is 
his XG is kind of in line what he's done aside from that purple patch of Porto. So, yeah, it will be interesting. And, I mean, speaking of injuries, everyone's going to miss Diogo Jota, second top scorer, eight goals. And it seems to have been a really bad patch, Ben. There's, I don't think there's other way of describing it. I think you think to the last three games, City, we lose Alisson right at the end. We lose Jota, sounding like longer term as well. Alisson may be back from United, it sounds like, and fingers crossed on that. Then we have the game against Fulham. And obviously, Joel Matip, we now know that absolute disaster, ruptured ligaments, they said, which has all the hallmarks by the sounds of it about for the season. And then even last night, hopefully it's not too bad, but Alexis McAllister, which gets rattled early and apparently intent comes into it. So, you know, that that's fine, apparently, even though it doesn't come in with Curtis Jones' VAR decision. Maybe that's a different discussion. But the injuries are just starting to mount up. And I did want to talk about Joel Matip because there's a sad point and an honest point when I'm saying this. We've got to be realistic, Ben. This could be, or that could have been the last time we potentially see him in a Liverpool shirt. That's a realistic concern now. If if that is the case, what sort of stats do you look at or think with Joel Matip that people should sort of recognise? Because some people are like, oh, he's had a dip last season, but he's come back. I mean, this guy's been big for us, hasn't he, since he signed, really? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Absolutely, and I think, considering the fact that it was a free transfer, you know, you've got to go down yeah. to one of the best free transfers of all time. Uh, but 
like you mentioned, yes, his form did dip over the la- the course of the last two seasons or so. However, I think the real disappointing thing about the fact that he's got injured now was that, in my opinion, he was almost getting back to his prime Matip form. He, he's been really good this season. And the stats sort of backed that up as well. I've, I've got it up here. Um, so why Scout does this statistic for possession adjusted interceptions, which measures mm. how much possession a team has and in turn how many interceptions a player is making. So it's a more, it's a sort of fairer measurement of how many interceptions a defender makes. And, and for centre backs in the Premier League this season, only one player, um, Romero at Tottenham has mm. averaged more possession adjusted interceptions than Matic. Wow. Um, wow. It, I mean, to be fair, all of Liverpool's defenders have been really good in that metric. Uh, Konate and Van Dijk also rank in the top six. So credit nice. to Liverpool. I think that sums up how good Liverpool's defence has been this season. Obviously got the best defensive record as well with just 14 goals conceded. So mm. um, I think Matip has played a key role in that. And then the other thing which we don't necessarily see from other Liverpool defenders is his ability on the ball, the way he runs forward, yeah. those forward runs. I think if this is his last game for Liverpool, those are the ones that I'm going to miss the most, you know, when he just gets the ball, beats a couple of opponent, couple of opposition players. And I think when Liverpool have so much possession and they're playing against a, a defensive low block, to have a centre-back like that who can beat a couple yeah. of players and open up a bit more space for the attackers is so crucial. And, it's it's really rare to find in in football as well. Again, looking at the stats uh, for progressive runs out of centre backs in the Premier League, Matip is again in second place behind Ruben Diaz. So wow. again, just you know, you, you get the sense of what I was saying that he yeah. was really getting back to his prime, and the fact that this injury has happened now is is a real, really real shame that that it's happened. It's really unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, God, if, if there's any doubt just how good Joel Matip has been for us, the fact, like you say, in those in those two in two big stats behind, and literally there's one player in the entire Premier League ahead of him. So overall, you'd probably think across the board that he's coming out, if not top, right up there. And and like you say, it is he's been such a weapon for us as well. When the game's time is congested, like you're thinking, what's going to happen? Sometimes just a Joel Matip slalom style run has been incredible. And I still think back to even last season when we were struggling, that game against Leeds where we just kind of dribbled past a few, knocked it, played him in and he put in. So yeah, it, it is a shame, but the, the indications are that, you know, we have to suspect it could well be his last game. I mean, with the Matip injury and, and the players we mentioned as well, Ben, and that's, let's be honest, that's on top of Robbo, Thiago, Bajsetic. It, it's just starting to sort of mount up, shall we say. Do you put us sort of at breaking point, as in we really can't afford it, or do you think we're already a bit past that? We're going to be seriously stretched. How do you see it at the moment? I mean, I think the Matip injury has sort of put Liverpool on a breaking point because now we're probably going to have to see a bit more of Kwanzaa which overall is not necessarily a bad thing I think Kwanzaa has been really good and it's a great opportunity for him to make his mark however 
from an ideal point of view, I mean, obviously you're going into this festive period, which is one of the most important periods of the season. You don't necessarily be wanting to play the centre back who's only played a few, a handful of games. Yeah. Games. Um, I, I have faith in Kwanzaa. I think he will do really well and I, I'm confident, but just from an ideal perspective, you'd, you'd rather put Matip in there and you'd rather play him. And obviously, like you mentioned with Robertson's injury, uh, you're probably having to rotate between Gomez and Timikas for left back, which yeah. again is not necessarily ideal. Um, however, when it comes to the midfield, I think midfield, Liverpool is fine. Offensively as well, I think Liverpool got enough. Uh, we're quite fortunate as well that the last game of the Europa League doesn't really matter. Yeah, so, dead rubber. You know, I, I, I'm expecting a pretty reserved side playing that one. Um, and I think that the concern is just defensively whether Liverpool have enough depth. And that's something we'll find out in December, hopefully. It won't be detrimental to, to this title chase. And uh, obviously there's an opportunity in January to address those concerns. So it's not necessarily the, the end of the world, the worst situation to to have the, this many injury problems. You just got to get through December and then you've got mm-hmm. an opportunity to, to address the problems and see where you're at injury-wise as well. Yeah, true. I do. I think it probably gets highlighted because, like you say, Matip's done so well. There was even a case to you know that people were saying he is the preferred partner, isn't he, for for BBD? Look at the numbers this season. And Canate, there's naturally going to be those concerns against not his ability. Look at last night, as it said, his resoluteness, resilience, whatever you want to call it, because he does pick up a lot of muscle strains, as we said there. And yeah, I mean. J- it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Jarrell Quance has been superb when he's been called upon. We see the talent. We've talked about him before. It's still big shoes to fill with Joel Matip, isn't it, in that regard and coming in and performing to the same level. And the other games that are coming up, as you mentioned, there's, we're playing title cha- chases or big competitive games. So it's a lot of pressure on a young man. I mean, this is going to steer towards the chat and January is around the corner. Let's be honest, Ben, we are not far from it. It's a lot of games still, but we are not far from it. I know you'll have seen this. There's a polarization. It seems at the moment, there's the polarization of these boys are doing well. Quans is a talent. Bradley's back. Joe Gomez could also move into center back, you know, that type of thing as well. You know, we, we could do this, you know, don't need to be panicking or looking even. And now, naturally, I know you're going to have seen it. As soon as the Matip news came out, well, we definitely need a new centre-half now. There's no excuse for not buying a centre-half in January. You know, the, as Twitter, social media, etc., loves that polarisation. I want to ask you in two different ways, because I, I do want to get almost your thoughts, your take on it. But I think this is almost as important as ever. What does your gut tell you Jurgen Klopp is thinking about it or seeing it? Because as we know... Jurgen Klopp thought about the defence very differently in the summer as to we did, and we didn't see a single reinforcement. How do you think he might be seeing it now? What's your gut telling you? I think it's the same as the summer. Yeah. Uh, I think that really he probably didn't expect Kwanzaa to be as good as he has been. So that's been a reassurance. And I think I wrote a piece uh, for the website talking about how this is a big opportunity for Kwanzaa. And yeah. It, I think December could be the sort of 
month that decides what Liverpool is going to do in, in, in the transfer window. If he steps up, if he, if he takes those chances like he has been doing, he's been taking his chances, then there's a good chance Liverpool won't do business unless there is something extraordinary good yeah. that comes up like uh, Luis Diaz or Cody Gagpo when Liverpool think, you know, we have to get this player now because someone else is interested in them or if it, it's the right opportunity. Um, I don't see necessarily that many players being in that situation, especially when it comes to centre-backs. Yeah, and Most teams like to bring in centre-backs in the summer just to integrate them, have them go through the whole preseason yeah, and everything like else. So, yeah, I, I don't... I think it's a bit more difficult to bring in a defender uh, unless you're Virgil van Dijk in the, in the January window. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes it's a bit easier to integrate attackers and that's what Liverpool has been doing in the last few transfer windows. Uh, but like I said, if an opportunity comes up, I think Liverpool will, will still go for it. Um, mm. But it's not like they're going to be 100% in on, on buying a, a centre-back like, for example, we were 100% in on buying a midfielder or yeah. just one midfielder, let's be honest. Yeah, over the yeah definitely. I think it's going to be more sort of what we have seen in the last few January windows where Liverpool sort of exploring things behind the scenes but not necessarily actively or aggressively searching for, for the right player. Yeah. And, and my gut is telling me the same, that as it stands, you know, there's a bit of Jurgen Klopp thinking, well, Quantz is good enough or he's not. And he has, and understandably, he has real belief in that player. As we know, for anyone thinking we're shutting everything down, the situation could change and there's another mm-hmm. knock and all sorts of things. But I do think my gut's telling me Jurgen Klopp is seeing it the same way. I mean... I suppose two parts to this. For you personally, because we talked about how Jürgen's seeing it very much, do you see it differently in the sense of, do you think that we should be looking and even linking it to obviously the stats that we talked about, or is there a case of, no, as you mentioned before, look at how good the defence is, those options. How, But obviously then there's the counter of, well, Matip was a part of that and now he's not going to be. How are you honestly seeing it from a personal point of view? I think my heart says no. Because I, I really like Konza and I want him to be given an opportunity. And I think he, he can step up. I've been watching him for a while. He does have a bit of matter about him as well, I have to say. Yeah. Obviously, we've seen him play left side, did centre back for most of his uh, first team senior career, but he thought he prefers to play on the right. He's played a lot on the right side. Um, and I remember him, him playing for England under 19s and just, just going on those mazy runs, sort of Matip-esque runs. He's really composed on the ball. Um, mm. Obviously, we've seen a little bit of that against Leicester uh, when he went on that run and got the assist. Um, so I really like him and I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's probably one of the best centre-backs Liverpool's academy has produced in the last decade, for sure. Yeah, but maybe even the last two decades, if if we're looking at it, because uh, you know it's not got a lot of competition in, in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my heart says stick with Kwanza unless something crazy or you know another injury happens. Konate picking up an up, which is very possible, obviously. Um, Gomez as well; he's he's quite injury prone, and 
uh, Van Dyke himself, he can pick up a few knocks too. Uh, and that's why my rational sort of head is thinking maybe we should be looking at um, a potential transfer. It's just uh, a difficult market. I'm, I'm not seeing too many players who could come into Liverpool straight away and, 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 and make a difference. There's a few on the short list, but um, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm just not seeing a, a Cody Gakpo or a Luis Diaz or a, a Virgil van Dijk, that those kind of players yeah. are going to be available in January because the, the kind of players that Liverpool want to bring in, you want to bring in someone who could play in the starting eleven and who could yeah. slot into that Liverpool team right now, which is... Very, there are very few players like that in world football, and those clubs that they're playing for are not going to be wanting to let that player go in the January window when you know most of those clubs are in Europe fighting f- for Europe in the league or or, or league titles in in their respective yeah. leagues, and I think that's why it's, it's it would be a very difficult sort of transfer to pull up pull off, um, you know. Centre backs are the most important sort of positions on the field, almost. Um, and I think yeah. it's just a bit more difficult to get get that transfer in in January. And that's why, realistically speaking, I don't see Liverpool necessarily making that move. But you know, like you said, that could change. Something could come up, uh, or Liverpool could find out. Actually, you know. There is X and X player who you know yeah. the club is willing to do business for 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 whatever reason, and then obviously if that opportunity arises and it's a player that you like, it's a player that's on the short list, and it's a player that the scouting team believes in and thinks they can come in and, and step up and be the right fit, then then you got to make you got to do it, I think. But it's just finding those opportunities, and realistically speaking. In, in the winter window, it's difficult, especially when there's AFCON going on, when yeah. there's the Asian Cup going on. So uh, two international tournaments on top of everything else, it's it's going to make the January window a bit of a convoluted one, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And it makes logical sense. And I know people listening, it's probably not what everyone wants to hear. I know they want to all hear was talk, we're going to sign X, Y and Z and those types of things. But there is the element, and we even talked about it before, Connor Bradley's back as well now. So that's your right-back cover, so Joe Gomez can slot inside. There is the element, almost like we said, if if we believe in Kwanzaa and we all talk about as much as we say, you know, we do with that real ceiling that he has. Well, there's only one way of proving it, so to speak, isn't there? Or it's just talk until then at the same time. And yes, Matty gives it a hammer blow. It does feel that way. But as you also mentioned, the key thing to think about people how hard is that market for all those reasons? And what would we be being asked to part with, shall we say, to get who we want? I think that might play a, an important part in that. So, yeah, we will we won't have long to find out, will we, Ben? But it all goes into the pot, so to speak, to, to see and, and wait for. I mean, the final question, because I know you talked about, we were chatting before about short-term memories and obviously going back to the Roy Hodgson days. I mean... We'll revisit our old gaffer on Saturday morning, won't we, type of thing. And it's a, it's an interesting one because, again, the, it's like a, there's another backdrop to this, isn't he? They were booed off. 
last night, Palace in their defeat at home against Bournemouth. There's pressure. Good old Hodge makes some comments as per normal where it feels like he's put his foot in it. But that being said, it's Liverpool. It's a team in the lower reaches. It's away. It's half 12. This script maybe writes itself quite easily either way. Just last question I really want you to, to sort of think about. What are you feeling for Saturday? What are you thinking in terms of how it'll go? Who might get the nod? That type of thing. I mean, uh, touching wood, I do think I am feeling quietly confident that this is going to be a relatively easy game. I, I, I don't think it's going to be really easy because yeah. I'm fully expecting 11 men behind the ball, Roy Hudson going you know, full defensive low block. But what we have seen this season is that Liverpool have brought in players who can deal with that low block. They've changed the system. They've brought Trent into the middle, who's more effective in breaking down those defensive low blocks. And I think Liverpool hasn't really struggled breaking down defences this season. Um, even the Luton game, which will, people will highlight, Liverpool created plenty of chances to make that game a really comfortable one. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm not necessarily concerned that much about the the, the type of football that we're expecting Roy Hudson mm-hmm. to to play and to come up against uh, because I think it's it might have been Liverpool's Achilles heels in, in the past, but now you've got players who, who like Soboslai, like McAllister, like Elliot as well. He's he's been yeah. really good. Um, Graven Birch, who've, who've all got those little skills that you need, whether that's being able to beat a man, putting in a good cross or a, a pass. Um, they've got all those skills that you need to break down a, a defensive wall. And on top of that as well, they've got the energy to track back and, and cover, especially Sabosai, I think, has been key in yeah. that. And I think it's no coincidence um, that when Luton did score that goal from that counter-attack, he wasn't on the pitch. No, um, no. And I think, had he been on the field, maybe things might have been different, but I can see why he was subbed off against Luton because he was really poor. Uh, but I do think it helps that you've got this energy in midfield now that kind of protects Liverpool from being counter-attacked as much as they once were throughout well, throughout the whole of last season, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling relatively confident. I think given that McAllister might not be 100%, I think I'm expecting Endo to, to stay in that yeah. role. I think he did a good job. Um, I think sort of started probably, I know he played the 490, but he'll probably start. And then I think... Kravenberch didn't really necessarily impress me in the last yeah. game. Jones might be given the starting berth in, in this game. Um, and then obviously, defensively, I think Tim Cass might come into this one. He, he's he's good at creating chances. I, I kind of expect him to be key in this one. Um, obviously, Alexander-Arnold, Van Dijk and Konate probably are going to be the centre-backs for me, I think. As much as Kwanzaa might have a shot, I think Kunate, he's sort of, he put in a really impressive performance. And, yeah. you know, with the next midweek 
game being that Europa League tie, he'll he'll get a rest, he'll get a week's rest, probably. So I think he should play that game really, um, because he'll be rested and Liverpool won't necessarily be worried about him picking up muscle strains. Um, Kelleher will probably start and go, and then up top, I think Nunez will will come in, and um, obviously Salah will start on the right, and then it's going to be interesting to see who gets the nod on the left because obviously between Hakpo and uh, Diaz, neither of them were, were that impressive. Uh, I have a feeling Klopp will stick with Diaz just because if you can get the best out of him, that one-on-one ability, uh, the way he can beat his opponents, Liverpool don't really have that from anyone else on the field. And when you're playing such a defensive low block, you, you need a player like that. And I think it's a bit of a risk, but the high reward that Diaz brings with him in, in terms of his ability to, to, to break down yeah. defences with, with his running, with his uh, sort of dribbling skills is, is something that will go in his favour and I kind of expect him to start. And obviously he was the one who was sobbed off quite early alongside Salah as well. So he, he's got a bit of a rest as well. Yeah, definitely. It will be fascinating to see. There is, like you say, a few a few different decisions. And in, in a positive sense, quite a lot of fresh players necessarily as well, not played too many minutes, which will factor into this because of such the, the quick turnaround. I mean, I'll be honest, a win with no injuries, I will take all day long ahead of a week till, well, the dead rubber, but the United game, which everyone's going to hone in on. So, yeah, fingers crossed. The next time we're talking, we may even be slightly higher in the table and we know where that is, Ben. But all it really leaves me to say is thank you very much for the time. Thank you for the stats again as normal. It's much appreciated. Yeah, pleasure. Good stuff. And ladies and gents, that was another Media Matters Stat Me Up for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.